0: This week, we'll catch up on what happened in innovation during our summer break. And we'll
1: look ahead to some things to watch for this fall. Hi, I'm Karen Unlund. And I'm Faiza Ramji. And this is Bloom, the podcast about innovation in Edmonton.
0: Hi, Fiza. We are uh, recording this uh, the day after Labor Day, which so summer is not officially over, but we all know it's really actually over. How do you feel about that?
1: Ah, uh, you know, mixed mixed feelings about it. Of course, I'm sure like everyone has. I do feel like you know the the beginning of September or the beginning of the school year feels like a new year for everyone, even if you don't have kids or you're not in school anymore and i'm hoping that this is the year that things start to settle back into some sort of close to normal routine i think we've had a lot of ups and downs over the past couple of years it takes a while for things to catch up and so i'm hoping we can kind of steady the ship this year so i'm hopeful
0: yeah and you know it's been like you say it's 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 a new beginning time anyway like even without covid this is like when we get back into it so We'll mm-hmm. see how that plays out. The The numbers, the COVID numbers are still a little concerning, but uh, we get on with it. Yeah. Uh, Bloom took a couple of days off, as did most of Taproot's editorial offerings. And uh, it was a break for me, but also busy because uh, we moved our eldest to Halifax to go to school. Speaking of back to school, a different kind. Um, had a little bit of a family vacation uh, before she launches into adult life. Um, how about you? Were you did noise, nose to the grindstone or
1: did you get a little bit of downtime? Nope. Nose was to the grindstone. It felt like, um, you know, there's a few busy things going on for the end of summer. And uh, my cousin got married over this past weekend. And so mm-hmm. if you've ever been to a South Asian wedding, um you know, project management is a, is a skill that is, <laughs> is, will do you really well, uh, if you're involved in a wedding. And so you'll notice my voice. Well, you may, may notice, but my voice is a little scratchier today. I just got, uh, got back from Calgary late last night and still recovering. So, uh, but it was nice. It was a good couple of weeks with the weather and, you know, being able to at least take advantage of that a little bit, even though sometimes it was a bit too hot for me, but that's okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's the other thing that this post-Labor Day uh, seems to have brought a little bit more temperate temperatures. So that'll be a little easier on everybody. Yeah. Well, let's catch up on some things that happened while we were away. The first thing that I wanted to talk about is this piece that uh, Sam Pilar, the, the jo- CEO of Jobber, wrote for Fast Company uh, called Four Lessons I Learned the Hard Way as a First-Time Founder. Um, Didn't realize until I looked at the subhead. He's been at this for 10 years. It's a long time. Uh, And he and his co-founder, Forrest Seesler have uh, built Jobber into Edmonton's like one potential unicorn so far, according to the Canadian Venture Capital and Private Equity Association's latest report. So I I thought I'm always interested to know what advice Sam has because I think he's a very thoughtful guy. It was nice of him to kind of sum it all up. So, what were his main pieces of advice?
1: Yeah, I I agree with you, um, Karen. It is nice to hear what he has to say. And and I'm glad to see him in such a widely read publication. I think, you know, Jobber, they've done an amazing job. And You know, sometimes in 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 Edmonton, we kind of forget companies once they leave that early stage and they're they're cruising in steady growth. And so it's nice to see uh, so much recognition for them in the U.S. But you know, his his pieces of advice in his words are not pieces of advice that you've never heard before. Um, and he he does put a little disclaimer at the beginning. But again, I think his perspective on them is what's interesting. So he talks about having a co-founder. Um, you know, and and the reason for that obviously is you know you have someone to split the load with but also have really good conversations with and be vulnerable with and i think as a founder it is important because people that you hire expect you to have the answers or at least mm-hmm. be sure of the direction you're going in and you don't always so that was one piece of advice he gave the second was to not give into pressure to the pressure to pivot too quickly so you see a lot of companies do that where they're kind of down a path and then they and then they move very quickly into something else. And, and we've heard that here on Bloom. And sometimes it makes sense, but sometimes it doesn't. Um, yeah. And so he cautions against that. Uh, also hiring people who truly believe in your mission and considering your early stage investors thoughtfully. And those those two, I think, are great on the people side. I mean, everybody who's involved in your company, especially early on, you know, they need to be people who are adding a ton of value, not only in doing their jobs, but in terms of like caring and persevering. Um, and so those were his pieces, and you know I, I'd encourage everyone to read the article just to get a little bit more context of of why he gave those pieces of advice.
0: Mm-hmm. I think all those pieces of, of advice talk to each other too a little mm-hmm. bit. I think that if you have a co-founder, that can help you um, not be swayed too much or, or or panic into a pivot because you're with somebody who's been with you since the beginning. And and you to know what you're trying to do, Mm -hmm. and and so even if investors or advisors disagree uh, with you based on their observations, you you two know, and it's easier, I think, to kind of stand like keep hold of your of your north star when you've got somebody else there with you. Obviously, like a really important part of what he says in that article too is that they didn't. Um, pivot too quickly because they had validation from their market. So you don't want to mm-hmm. be like stuck on, no, this is the best idea in the world and we're just going to keep doing it until we die. Um, I say as a person who <laughs> may <laughs> may or not be doing that, who knows? We'll find out. Um, but it's uh, interesting to, just to have that push and pull of trying to make sure that you are, listening to your customers and yourselves, in addition to the folks that are giving you money, because he's got some pretty high powered uh, investors as well.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, obviously, you know, this uh, better than most having a co founder on your team at bloom, or at taproot, but, um, you know, I'd say the other thing is like, there's so many things that you need to do at the beginning stages of a business, you need to have a great product, you need to be have a solid business model, you need to be thinking about marketing, and no one will care about your business as much as you will. Um, they might come close, but they're never gonna care about it as much as you will. And so to also be able to have somebody to split that like emotional investment with, I think is really important. And for somebody to be, you know, with Forrest being the CTO, you know, making sure that product is where it needs to be, like I'm sure he is very engaged in that mission. And I'm sure that he, you know, Sam and him can count on each other to be caring as much as possible about both sides of the business. Um, That doesn't mean they're always going to make the right decision or they're not going to agree on things or they're not going to disagree on things. But I just think it's nice to be able to split the load with somebody else who's as emotionally invested and connected to the business.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh a interesting companion piece to this piece by Sam was a post from uh Sheldon Zhang who um just sold his startup uh Yardly or it was acquired earlier this year. And uh he he wrote a post on LinkedIn where he shared some of the hard lessons that he learned there too. Um I think I mean it, it's, it's sort of the other side of the coin they they had a success they had an exit right they didn't just like go bankrupt or close it up but it's not the unicorn that maybe they were hoping to to turn yardley into and and uh, I don't know how much they sold it for but anyway he uh reflected on um stepping away and no longer defining himself as a co-founder of Yardley, which is an interesting thing that you have to do when you leave a company. You maybe have some thoughts about that. Um, He's launched a side project called Salus Ventures to advise early stage founders, because he said if he could go back in time and tell himself what he's learned he could do it a lot faster, and uh, so he's going to help some other people do that uh, while he uh, works uh, on his next uh, startup, which he's uh, hoping to do in fintech.
1: Yeah, I thought that was a neat piece. I mean, there's a couple things that uh, struck me as very interesting. Is you know, number one, the fact that that he took a very methodical approach to how he was going to select his next startup or his yeah. next area of focus and get to fintech. I thought that was cool and even how he narrowed down what within fintech around uh, lending and and credit but i also think that his comments about taking a step back and giving himself a little bit more time you know to make up for things that he's missed out on over the last little while including being a dad and things like that for me at least it's equally hard to take intentional time away from things as it is to avoid being too busy like there's kind of two mm-hmm. sides of the coin and both are very difficult and I think you always need a little bit of that negative space in your brain, um, just to like let things percolate or let things kind of settle or or emerge. And so I was I was surprised to see him narrow in on something so quickly, but at the same time, I'm really glad he's launching this advisory service because there's no better education than trying something firsthand. Whether it's starting a business or you know knitting a sweater, it doesn't really matter. But you can't learn unless you do, and um, the advice that anybody any founder can give you i think is all very nuanced but having to hear it firsthand from people and and being able to at least make some decisions of your own based on what other founders tell you uh, from their experience i think can be huge and there's not there's not a ton of these you know founders turned advisors in edmonton and so i think it's great for the innovation community to be able to say hey look we can chat with these people and learn from them and even even things around making a decision to sell your business right? Like yeah. that's such an emotional decision as much as it, as it is a financial decision. And how do you make these decisions? How do you make decisions on when to hire somebody and how to make, you know, some tough calls with key members of your staff? Like those are things you can't really learn in a textbook. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm, I hope that he takes a little bit more time to do the advisory services. And And then of course, I'm curious to see if he ends up going through with a fintech startup or something completely different.
0: Yeah, yeah, it'll be uh, one to watch for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh some other ones to watch were uh, highlighted in a story, a CBC story by Madeline Cummings um looking at some Edmonton startups that are working to revitalize downtown, or at least that's the umbrella that she put these four startups under. And uh, I thought that would be like a good excuse just to do some short snappers on all four of them because they're pretty, all pretty interesting and all at different stages. So uh, the first one that uh, was highlighted was Zipstall. So this is Kevin Peterson's app that uses customer sourced and historical data to predict vacant parking spots and Allow users to book them. Uh, what do you think about that company and its potential to revitalize downtown?
1: You know, I don't know much about the company. I'll have to be honest, but I've I've seen it around and I've heard little bits and pieces about it. And you know, again, kind of like you know, people in the past like Zipcar, Uber, Airbnb. The idea of taking something that is being underutilized and monetizing it, I think that's great. Um, so I think that the team has done an excellent job in identifying that opportunity. I do think it's interesting because, you know, parking is such a contentious issue in Edmonton all the time. And I know there's so many people who live in very accessible neighborhoods who complain about people who live in inaccessible neighborhoods like the suburbs where I live uh, and us always wanting to have parking everywhere. And I think you need some way to get to and from places. And the more ways you have to get there, uh, the more competitive everything becomes and the lower the overall cost and until we have like proper running lrt which i'm sure everyone yeah. has also read about um you know we we need parking so i think it's great and if i can get parking for cheaper i will or if i can you know have a, have easier reasons and ways to go visit my favorite places downtown i don't think there's anything bad about that cuz we're not going to be able to solve sprawl and transport in the next you know year but we do need to support businesses all over the city so i think it's awesome yeah.
0: Yeah, I find myself so torn about this cuz like as a like progressive and uh transit preferring person, I I I kind of roll my eyes at there's no parking downtown until I drive downtown, which I do uh, on occasion, not that often, but on occasion because and and what I often encounter cuz I don't drive downtown that often even though I go downtown a lot is I don't know where the parking is. And so then that's very
1: frustrating. So maybe it can solve a problem for people like me. Yeah, well, and you know, also in a winter city, I mean, yeah. having close parking is important, but maybe we wouldn't care so much if there were more pedways and things like that that went a farther distance. So, you know, if anybody who can solve that problem is listening to this podcast, you know, lots of options, but we just got to find some <laughs> that work.
0: Yeah. Uh, another one that that, that Madeline uh, highlighted was Story City. This is Emily Craven's interactive app that encourages users to explore a place through an online adventure. Uh, Taproots written about this a couple times. We did a little bit of, sto- of a story when uh, the new Edmonton stories were released in August. Uh, what do you think about Story City?
1: Oh, I love it. I think I think it's such an awesome company, like way to make something so fun for people, especially people who already live here and need, you know, might want a different way to experience something that they've been to several times. And then also how interesting that we've got a platform where we can teach people to write and tell good stories. You know, yep. I, I think um Emily talks about the benefits for the creator economy. And I know, of course, we're focusing a lot on film, uh, the film industry here, and we've got some great writers in town. But that's such an interesting way to me as well to cultivate that community. So I love it. And uh, I'm I'm excited to, to kind of look through all those stories and see, see which ones I can experience.
0: Yeah, I, I, I am eager to uh, try some of those out as well. It's, it's a very cool idea. I like when creativity is like pops up in unusual places. So mm-hmm. hopefully it works out. Uh, what's the deal? It was another one that was mentioned. This is an app that helps restaurants market themselves by listing like daily deals or or frequent deals. I guess it went offline during the pandemic, which makes sense, but it's about to come back. Uh, Kate Popiel said that she's been working with Amy to develop some metrics for restaurants so they can actually see the return on investment from being on their app, which is, um, would seem to make make sense to to make sales easier, um, and I see that what's the deal is was part of that first cohort of the Alberta Innovates Revenue Accelerator by GrowthX that we talked about a couple episodes ago with uh, when you talked to Jason Suriano. Uh So, what do you think about what's the deal?
1: You know, I think there's a lot of deal style. Platforms, um, specifically for restaurants, and I know that's you know an industry that people are always focused on because things are time sensitive. I don't know what to think about this one yet. I think you know any marketplace of any sort is really difficult because you're essentially trying to curate and grow two audiences. What I do like is that Kate uh, enrolled in the Revenue Accelerator. I think a lot of apps like this don't necessarily think through the business model side of things, or they have a really tough time with being sustainable for people who are on it. And so I'm very curious and I would love to hear Kate's thoughts on how she sees that business growing and where the the value is for both the um, restaurants and the users. But I do like the fact that she's focused on metrics. Um, you know, if, if people can see, get some important information, valuable information, uh, it seems like the restaurant industry is now finally starting to embrace how important you know, numbers and data and metrics and all these things are. So I think that's, that's really great, but I I just feel like there's a lot of platforms to be on. And as a user, I don't, I don't use very many of them because I kind of am like a habit creature of habit, which I think many of us are. So I'm kind of used to the ones I already know about.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think we should have her on the show. I think Mm -hmm. we we, we would think of some good questions for her. So park that for, for future. Uh, and then the last one that was in the CBC story was about Workspace, which I hadn't heard about at all. Uh, it aims to partner with restaurants to make their space available to remote workers during short, uh, slow times, so that creates like a revenue stream for the restaurants, and then also helps the worker find like that kind of third space where you don't have to nurse a coffee for four hours to rent your your table. I guess um, it's co-founded by Robin Patches. It's just in its earliest. Stages. Uh, I sat on a board with Robin many years ago, and he's like an impressive person. has lots of smart ideas. So I don't, I don't know. We'll see how how this one goes. But when, if you're like kind of investing in a founder, I, 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 I'm cheering for him. I think he's an interesting guy.
1: Cool. Yeah. I, you know, I've never heard of this one either, but it makes sense. You know, and and kind of similar to the the Zipstall concept, you know, if you've got a space, you're already paying for the space as a as a restaurant owner. Um, and if you can find ways to monetize it when things aren't busy or, or not being 100% utilized, I think it's great. And again, as a suburban resident, I will make the pitch that I think there's a lot of need for things like that in the suburbs where people are working remotely, but they kind of just want to change environments for a little bit. And having to go to a coffee shop is not always conducive during the busy times because it's also loud. Um, yeah. you know, I I think it would be interesting also to see how if if thing if a concept like this can take off and scale, which I think in theory it totally can. Why why couldn't it? I'd also be curious then to see how restaurants invest in more comfortable seating because that's <laughs> the only problem right now is if I'm going to go sit in a coffee shop for hours, most of them have very uncomfortable chairs and the tables and chair height you know is always an issue for for sitting around for so long and typing so maybe some of the furniture designers in town want to want to partner with Robin and say hey, we'll <laughs> we'll sell you some really comfortable furniture and we'll also get you on this app and and get people in there 24/7 so yeah.
0: I like that idea that's a great idea <laughs> Uh finally I wanted to highlight an interview that the Quad at the University of Alberta did with Ria Ganguly who has been named the first associate vice president of enterprise and her mandate uh, is to help the university pursue innovation initiatives. Yeah, I'm going to be cynical
1: on this one, Karen. Oh. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, no one no one sees no one hears as much of my cynical side uh on this <laughs> podcast, but this one I I do have and again you know, I don't know the first thing about running a university. um, But I do know that when you look at a problem, and you're trying to solve it, sometimes the most obvious one is the one that never gets never is the action that never gets taken. And, you know, we've seen a lot of focus from the U of A on commercialization, you know, with Tech Edmonton, and, you know, all these other initiatives they have. But at the end of the day, if you want someone to do business with you, you have to be easy to do business with. And, You know, the university, I mean, even being an alum of the university, I've been finding it very difficult to work with the university in terms of even like celebrating what what me and other co-founders or other founders are doing in this city. Like Nate seems to do a really great job of that, celebrating their alumni, but also then finding a way to get back into the ecosystem as a grad. Besides just giving money and being an, uh, being part of an alumni association, there's no real way for that ecosystem to be created for people to go away and come back. And a number of years ago, when I worked in economic development, I went to an innovation festival at the University of Waterloo. And part of it was a half day bus tour around the city. And everybody talked about why this is a great place to innovate. And the first thing that they that they told you, whether it was a private company or the universities or anything... First thing they said is that we believe in innovation and we believe that it's our job to help facilitate that in this city. So the University of Waterloo doesn't take any royalties from faculty or students who develop an innovation on their campuses. And that is very different than most universities. Most universities will take a royalty from you as a student or as a, a staff member who comes up with something, you know, on campus grounds or during campus time. So to me, it seems like there's a lot of ways you can pursue innovation, especially as a university, especially one that has such great talent on the research side and has such deep uh, roots in innovation. Um, so I'm curious to know what Department of Enterprise will do. Um, mm-hmm. And and maybe hopefully they pick some of the obvious choices and make it more of a business friendly or more of a uh, you know, commercialization friendly environment. So we'll see. That's my cynicism. Yeah.
0: I guess maybe the pretty good example at the university of trying to create some of that value at least for alumni would be venture mentoring service, which both of us have different mm-hmm. um involvement with in you as a mentor or me as a as a mentee i guess but that's like maybe just
1: not enough from what you're saying. Yeah, maybe not enough, but also something that I think has been really championed and spearheaded from uh, Ray Muzica and and others that have, you know, gone on to do great things in the entrepreneurship space and have of their own, you know, desire to see more entrepreneurs succeed in this city. They've kind of done a lot to inspire that and encourage that. And I think if the university had been left to do that on their own, I don't know that it would have been Mm -hmm. such a great program, because that is an amazing program. I I totally agree. But again, my cynicism says that if it was just up to the university, we may not have this type of program. So who knows?
0: Who knows? We'll see. We'll watch. Uh, We'll link to that story and uh, all the other ones that we mentioned in the show notes. And uh, when we come back, we'll cast our eyes ahead. We'll take a look at some of the upcoming events that may be of interest to innovators. Bloom is brought to you by Innovate Edmonton. Here's a message from our sponsor. The world needs what Edmonton offers, a vibrant city of risk-takers committed to tackling global challenges
1: like the climate emergency, public health, food security, digital inclusion, social justice, and reconciliation. Edmonton-based solutions
0: are exactly what international markets demand and where investors want to
1: deploy capital. At Innovate Edmonton, we're positioning our city as an inclusive global innovation capital, supporting innovators of all stripes and putting
0: innovation into the public realm with our groundbreaking new downtown home. Check us out today at InnovateEdmonton.com.
1: This episode of Bloom is also brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Life as a business owner can be hectic to say the least. Alberta Blue Cross understands that they offer flexible health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Even better, you can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time and on any device. That makes life easier for them and for you. You've got this when it comes to group coverage for your small business, and Alberta Blue Cross has got your back. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. Okay, so
0: Alberta Women Entrepreneurs announced the finalists for their 2022 AWE Awards, which will be presented uh, real soon, September 13th at the uh, Edmonton Expo Center. And there are five Edmonton-area entrepreneurs on the list. Um, Jennifer Schaefer of Onley Enterprises and Shannon Van Norman of Shadow Vista Productions are in the emerging entrepreneur category. Mallory Yangwe of Indigenous Box and Vanessa Marshall of Jack59 are in the Indigenous Entrepreneur category. And Deanne Base of Tenfold HR Solutions is in the Upsurge category. Some of those are kind of more traditional small businesses. Some of them are in the innovation space. What do you think? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it's exciting. I mean, I love, you know, for me, when it comes to awards like this, it helps me discover businesses that I may not be as familiar with and, and then also find really interesting people to follow. I read something today, just kind of randomly that there's, and I forget who said this, but there's a prediction that by 2050, the world will be equally 50% men, 50% women. Um, And then, you know, after that women are, are uh, predicted to take over in terms of that, that's that split. And so, you know, anytime we can encourage more diversity in entrepreneurship and in thinking and in perspective, I think is great. And so I, I love these awards. I think they're fantastic. And um, again, you know, Jack 59, I've heard so many good things about their products and I've never tried it. Uh, I've never tried them, but I'd like to. So I'm going to add what it to it, my what list. What do they do? They do um, uh, body care, like uh, shampoo and, and conditioner and stuff, but in bar form. Instead oh, yeah. of in bottles and liquid form. Interesting. Yeah. It's very cool. I like that. idea. Yeah. Um, well,
0: uh, I, I'm thinking about going. I should go. Because it's go. also good, like we talked about in our first episode, it's good to get to, to be in the same space as people again. And mm-hmm. uh, so that it, I, I always find that AWE events attract the kind of people that I want to. I wanted to see yeah. similar to that is uh, launch party. So launch party 13 is coming up on October 20th, which is during startup week um, applications just closed. And I don't think as of this recording that the companies have been announced yet, but um, COVID willing, we should be uh, able to get together and uh, in real life at the Edmonton Convention Center and hear about some exciting new companies. And I see that they're also going to like highlight launch party 11 and 12 folks because that was all online, which they did a great job, I think, for doing making that work online, but it's going to be different in person.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, again, any chance you have to get together in person um, and interact with a new company is always really exciting. So I'm I'm looking forward to that as well. And Startup Week is great. There's just so much energy around the city, uh, especially in downtown. And so hopefully that'll be good for many folks in in on many different fronts. And you know, related to Startup Week, I know there's um, I know that the public is also launching a roadshow of their own, trying to connect uh, food makers and with other food makers and trying to scale up how we think about food products and food companies and, and food businesses. So that'll be another interesting event to watch for during startup week. So yeah, folks should be looking around. There's lots for everyone to participate in, even if you're not a founder.
0: Yes, for sure. It's a good way to to know what's going on in the city and also learn about some services you might actually want to use or buy. So Exactly. It's, uh, it's a good idea. Um, finally, Startup TNT's next investment summit is on November 17th, um, which is quite a far away, but I'm telling you about this now because applications close on September 20th. Uh, the top 20 pitch night will be on October 6th, and they're going to have participants from Edmonton, Calgary, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba this time. So kind of continuing that same uh, expansion into the prairies that the Great Prairies Pitch Marathon uh, in August included.
1: Yeah, I don't know how these guys keep up with everything they're doing. There's always something going on from Start of TNT and uh again, it's it's great because I think we do need to focus more on the prairie provinces. Uh there's so much happening here and so much potential, but I also think it's neat cuz we just keep raising the bar for founders as well, like not just you know you got to be have a solid idea and you have to be really working hard at making it a really amazing business. And so I think just looking at the caliber of companies that come through launch party, startup TNT, you know, any of these programs, like it, we just keep getting better and better. And that's pretty awesome for our community. See, cynical visa didn't <laughs> last very long. It's just like a few minutes then. <laughs> it's Hopeful good. cynicism. Hopeful cynicism. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, all those links will be in the show notes. And uh, also the tech roundup is back. So if you're not getting that in your inbox every Tuesday, you're missing out. Sign up at uh, taprootedmonton.ca.
1: Well, that was a big one, but that's it for this week. If you haven't already, hit subscribe so you don't miss upcoming episodes of Bloom. And if you liked this episode, share it with a friend.
0: Bloom is produced by Taproot Edmonton with editing by Castria. Our music is by Davon Beaker and our cover art is by Vicky Wiersinski. Bye.